1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision.
0: If like so many Australians, you've grown up loving the idea of seeing the latest blockbuster movies at the cinema, you'll feel pretty hard hit By coronavirus pandemic that's kept us out of the cinemas now for the last six months, there's nothing like seeing a movie on the big screen, is there? The chalk top in hand, the smell of popcorn wafting in the aisles. It's like, uh, you know, it's like the cinema experience has taken such a hard hit from coronavirus. It's pushed cinemas into a huge battle. And not only that battle, but one that's also been building over previous years, Uh, going right back to the foundation of television, then VHS, uh, DVDs, and now the growing number of streaming platforms like Netflix, like Stan, Amazon Prime and Disney+. Plus. And I'll bet you know someone who streams their movies on their handheld mobile device. Well, an opportunity today to talk about the movies and to check on the latest releases, uh, fewer of them than there might ordinarily be this time of year, but uh, discussing uncertainty in the film industry and even the cancel culture that we've been talking about already uh, around some movies today that we might think ought to be blacklisted. Well, it's also our chance to glean insights into how Christians navigate the good, the bad and the ugly and have an enhanced movie viewing experience. Well, our special guest over this coming hour, Russ Matthews, works with City Bible Forum. He's a film reviewer for various publications and he moderates events called Real Dialogue, connecting the film industry with the general public and you can find Russ's reviews and commentaries at realdialog.com. But Russ Matthews, special welcome back to 2020. Let's start with talking about the movies and COVID-19 because uh, it really has crippled uh, movie lovers and their experience going along to the cinema. Uh, how have you felt about that?
1: you know, it, it is really t- challenging. We've been able to get back into cinemas and see some movies. Um, there are some, there are a few blockbusters that have been kind of released tentatively back into cinemas and also the fact that you have to social distance. So, yeah, you can definitely tell that people are still kind of resistant um, going back into cinemas. And then also I think all of us have become very um, comfortable with and used to now streaming most of their movies through the various streaming services.
0: Well, it's going to be challenging times ahead, isn't it? Because a lot of people who would have been regular cinematographers Cinema goers, uh, because of COVID nineteen, are happy to take what might be a second rate experience and uh, watch their own, you know, big screen home cinema uh, opportunities here, and and maybe not go venturing back into the cinemas for a long, long time to come until they're really confident that the health issues are overcome.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's that probably the fear factor is probably one of the biggest issues that people have in going back to cinemas, and uh, and and just trying to see exactly when it's going to be until we have a vaccine. Is that is that going to be when it's going to going to happen? I don't know. I mean, I think people want to go back to cinemas. I've been back at um, some of the different movies over the years, and I mean, over the past few weeks, and there have been some movies that have drawn people back in, but still not enough probably to kind of keep the cinemas going in the, over the next year or so. A drive-in theatres, uh,
0: not as popular yeah. as they used to be, but do you know anything about uh, whether drive-ins, the ones that are still operating, actually have been going through a boom time? Because, you know, you don't have to socially distance in the same way there. Any, any uh, insights here?
1: Yeah, because they've been down on the downward trajectory for so many years. There's so few of them left, but the ones that do exist, there have been quite a few articles written about them that they actually are selling out. They are seeing just um, record attendance, and also not even for new films, but also older films. And it's also a great experience for families to be able to go and enjoy it together, and also you don't necessarily have to worry about your kids mucking up in the back seat. So it's... uh, um, it's been actually a boom time for those drive-in theatres that are still exist, if you can find them.
0: Hey, Russ, a lot of films have gone into uh, like a hibernation, uh, just like businesses everywhere with coronavirus. Uh, so there would have been an awful lot that basically went on hold and uh, they've changed all sorts of release dates. Uh, it's It's really upset the whole movie industry, hasn't it?
1: It truly has I mean would they, they keep pushing it back even today they announced um, Disney just announced that two of their big blockbuster movies they're supposed to be coming out, Black Widow and the Eternals um, and West Side Story have all been moved into two thousand and twenty one just because they just know that it 's not going to make the same amount of money as the, if they were to release it now, and so yeah, it's just kind of continually be challenging. I was talking with um, one of the theater owners. Just the other day, and she was just talking about the fact that they need the big blockbusters to come in um, to really fill the seats. But the challenge is, is that you can only sit about a third or a quarter of the number of seats for each cinema. So for them to be able to do it, it means a lot of people need to kind of get back to the cinemas. So yeah, right now it's it's going to be. I have a feeling we're really going to stop seeing a whole lot of big movies coming out in theaters, and most of them either going to streaming services or being moved into 2021.
0: Okay, let's talk about the latest movies that are out and perhaps uh, if you've got a, a list of, of what is either in the cinemas now or is moving straight on to, uh, the streaming services, uh, the, the very latest movies. Uh, give us an insight sure. here into uh, perhaps an overview list and uh, listeners will be able to, uh, to have an idea what's around there
1: yeah well i mean especially as you 're going into the school holiday season it 's worthwhile kind of considering if you were to be going back into cinemas what what would be something even worth watching because there are quite a few movies that are out there, and there are new ones even available. So for um, so, Tenet was one of the big releases. It's still in cinemas. It's a Christopher Nolan film that's um, been high regarded as far as a, a big action film, and so one for people to consider. Also, The New Mutants, which is kind of a superhero but slash horror film. But then for families, probably Trolls World Tour the Secret Garden is also out, and then you've got the rom com, um, the the Broken Heart Gallery, and then then also on streaming services for families um, to kind of go through and consider. All kind of depends on what you're willing to pay for. Would be Mulan on Disney Plus, and then also on Disney Plus, which is just a part of the service, is the One and Only Ivan, um, which is a, a true story about a, a, a gorilla that actually ends up learning how to draw and paint. It uh, was really quite interesting, and then Ham. Is also on Disney Plus, and then also coming along on um, some really good films that probably a lot of people wouldn't have seen in theaters but would be willing to consider on Apple would be um, Katie and also the documentary Katie and also um, St. Judy. <laughs>
0: One of the things we always love to get into in a conversation about the movies is how we set ourselves as Christians uh, into a context where uh, movies are coming to our homes. Uh, They're not all Christian films. They don't all uh, glorify God in the way that we think uh, is a good thing. Uh, But people do watch movies, and so to be able to bring a Christian context into how we look at these things is very important. I I know that you uh, heard some of our conversation a little earlier when we were talking about the movie cuties right. i wonder whether uh, you've got your own insights into uh, cuties and some of the the dreadful things that are a part of that and the fact that it's going to be available on uh, on a streaming service
1: you know, what, that's, you know, it is a really good point to kind of bring up. I think that uh, Cuties, I have not seen it. It's not one of those films that um, I really want to necessarily watch based on the content. But what I've actually gone through in studying and reading up on it, um, as you did with Greg earlier, was that it's definitely a film that, is, that there's really no value of people going in and kind of considering um, watching itself. But to be educated on it and be able to know... To be discerning. We've actually got an article on drawing the line. So where do you draw the line when it comes to choosing films? And especially when, as a Christian, where do I consider even watching films or not? And I think that you really have to go through and look at the discernment to knowing what not to watch, also what is probably worthwhile engaging with. Then also, how do you have conversations that are... It would draw, draw people into the conversation as opposed to pushing them away with either people who aren't of a Christian faith or maybe people within your family. Because I think that it's really, because this is something that's in the media, people are talking about it, people are going to be interested and curious. And so I think one of the things you need to do is take time to educate yourself, but then also explaining um, from a Christian perspective why either you will or will not watch it, but then also to be able to have that conversation with your children of going, hey, you know what, this is really not something that our family's going to watch. It's not just a matter of me saying it as mom and dad saying no. It's really just kind of considering our Christian faith and how that really kind of depicts why I shouldn't see this film or should see it. And So um, I I think that it's definitely one of the things we do at Real Dialogue. We really like to try and continue the conversation, either after watching a film or maybe even kind of considering why we wouldn't see the film. Uh,
0: One of those things, too, when a movie like that comes along, and uh, if you missed our conversation earlier for listeners, uh, the idea of uh, sexting being promoted for tweenages, uh, the idea of uh, young teens downloading pornography. Those are the sorts of images that are created in this film, and I and I imagine that uh, that ought not to be promoted, and uh, listeners can have their own say on this because we'll open our talk back lines in a short while. You might have your thoughts, although we won't want to have our whole conversation dominated by this particular film. Uh, but it's interesting, when this sort of stuff comes along, uh, and there's an awful lot of bad movies and bad things in movies out there, uh, run. Uh, but one of these movies like this comes along gives us an opportunity to be able to say uh, this is where we do need to have extra discernment because so many of us are very passive and uh, and we'll want to watch whatever's on. And uh, there's an awful lot of people who who will uh, will just uh, watch things simply because it's being talked about as controversial. Even our conversation right. today might be pr- might be promoting that movie. Uh, give us some exactly. insights here into this idea, the fact that, that we're often so passive and we'll watch whatever's on. And we think it won't hurt us. We think it won't hurt our families, but technically uh likely likely to hurt our families
1: yeah well i think that there's there's two sides to what you're you're talking about there i really appreciate you bringing that up neil is that one is that yes there is discernment i think we really need to kind of go through we shouldn't just be kind of just whatever comes through on our screens just kind of accepting it it's taking the time to know exactly what it is that's going to be before our eyes. Even if you only watch the first five minutes of it, you're going to probably still be confronted by it. And so willing to discern and talk with your children and talk with one another and just also really praying about it. This is one of those things that I always find fascinating when I introduce this idea and concept to people especially as Christians, is that you really should take time to pray because God will give you the direction that you need um, to know whether or not you should see these films anyway. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that we, there's something, that, something there as far as us really being able to kind of be um, actively involved in our children's, uh, what they're watching, but also actively involved in what we're putting into our minds and into our eyes, even as adults, that we, there are certain films that are not helpful. And so I think that we need to really make sure we kind of put up barriers for that. But then, too, also the other side of it is, as Christians, we're meant to be the salt and light. I really kind of really encourage people, sometimes we get into this whole, we've got to ban this movie, we've got to ban this streaming service and all that sort of thing. I think it's a dangerous path because it kind of can cut both ways a lot of times. And that really it's also an opportunity instead of us just kind of going and putting up the big banners and stuff as far as protest, not that I'm against protesting if people want to protest, that's fine. But it's really for me, what I'm challenged to do is pray for the people in the industry that they would be able to be discerning and understand um, what it is that they can be doing, especially Christians in the industry, how that they can have an impact there. Because I think that we sometimes, um, rail against the industry, but yet we still have to see the opportunities um, of reaching into that industry for it to be really influenced to be able to make good content. Because there is a lot of good content out there, too. I was just talking with another commentator this morning, um, and she was just saying, well, there's a lot of good stuff out there, too. It's just that sometimes we can get kind of focused on the bad, and, and that's understandable.
0: Uh, most Aussies uh, probably tend, uh, I'm only speculating here, not to necessarily want to watch a film like Cuties uh, because right. it's a foreign language film and there's subtitles, <laughs> and, and uh, it's, not like it's, uh, it's not like it's promoted uh, to actually influence Australian children. It's, uh, it's a French
1: film. Right. Uh, it, I always. It's a really interesting thing to kind of be looking at all that's kind of been going on with it, because the vast majority of the populace um, won't watch the film because it's subtitled. It's a French film, um, and it kind of en- engages in French culture and all that sort of such. Not that French films are bad. It's uh, I mean, it's just that this one definitely has content that would be objectionable. But I, I think that sometimes we kind of get into this whole thing about pr- going and pushing against a film, but in promoting it, we actually have helped the kind of promotion machine of, say, Netflix and other streaming services of going, well, now you're getting the word out there about this film, people are going to be interested in it. It was similar to what we experienced when the cancel culture um, considerations during the Black Lives Matter, when that was coming up, and all of a sudden, everybody was saying, Gone with the Wind needs to be banned. And That very week, it went to number one on Apple um, TV because everybody's going, oh, what's Gone with the Wind? Which to some of us is going, what? Gone with the Wind? That's a classic, right? But so many people haven't seen it, but yet then to draw attention to it again actually lifted the promotion machine for it. So uh, it's an interesting one because I'm not a big fan of the cancel culture, but I I am a big proponent for being discerning um, when it comes to watching films.
0: Uh, there's a lot of brilliant marketing around all sorts of issues and uh, especially here as we're identifying uh, films uh, being marketed and even taking the position of uh, just drawing attention to the fact that it's so controversial actually raises the profile. So uh, we're in an environment here where people are trying to manipulate us and uh, they manipulate us to the point where we'll use their product or view their product in this sense, and so this manipulation is very powerful. We've got to be aware of that, that all sorts of forces, left, right and centre, are trying to uh, grab our attention here. And so we're taking uh, taking that little bit of a discernment uh, idea as a Christian here because uh, we want to be able to control those sorts of things that we will uh, be able to... uh, I think what I'm trying to say here, and I think I'm getting a bit muddled up here, but we want to be able to be assertive enough Russ right. to be able to decide what is best for us and our families to watch without all of the manipulation that comes from these clever marketers.
1: Yeah, it's it's true. And and it's been it's been going on since the beginning of time. You know, everybody wants your attention and so it's just now we're dealing in this kind of hyper um overwhelming component of social media and all the different things, everybody trying to get your attention and and so many people trying to do um, the marketing to try and grab our attention and and get us to spend our money or spend our time um, watching whatever it is that they are doing that I, I believe that people have kind of gone asleep and I think they just need to really kind of consider well, no, actually, we need to be really be working uh, and be actively participating in what we're watching and what our families are watching and communicating to other people um, about that. But I don't think necessarily we need to be kind of doing the whole ranting on. I think we, we need to see it as an opportunity to really proclaim our faith in a way that really can draw people's attention and bring them into the conversation. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events.
0: Movie reviewer Ma- Russ Matthews is our special guest this hour and uh, we're going to talk through some more issues around movies but let's talk about the movies themselves too, Russ. Hey, there's some some movies out that are really good value and good family viewing. Uh, let's talk about one called The Secret Garden. It's a remake of an old film and uh, based on a, a story that's over 100 years old. Uh, what is, tell us all about your thoughts on The Secret Garden.
1: Oh, you know what? I, I I have three daughters myself, Neil, and so when I saw that they were going to be remaking this, I was really quite excited about it because we used to watch the 1993 version quite a few times. And this is the story of Mary Lennox, who's a an orphan who's brought into her her family's home um, back in England. The Lord Archibald Craven, who's played by Colin Firth, and it's a story about her kind of. Uh, transforming from a really kind of an unappealing child to one who really comes to um, love and care for her family, specifically her cousin Colin, who's, who's a recluse inside of their home. And many people might be familiar with it. But it is a beautiful story, and what was surprising to me was that even though the book was written over 100 years ago by Francis Burnett, it is still one that really, I think, is reticent to today. Now, there's some artistic license for the purists of the book and also some of the other films that might uh, push back a little bit because they've taken some artistic license with it, but overall, the heart of the film is still there. It's a beautiful film. One benefit that they have in 2020 with this film is the fact that uh, they have this advantage of beautiful cinematography and great digital um, effects that they're able to add into it. So as far as families, if you are looking for something to go out and not only to enjoy a film together, the secret garden is a good choice, but also take the time to be able to talk about some of the big themes that come from it afterwards over a meal or over um, a tea or a hot chocolate or something like that afterwards. And I think that it just is a great opportunity for families to enjoy a time at the, the cinemas um, and be able to enjoy some time together.
0: When we talk about the themes, I mean, some people catch that so easily. Others say, oh, "What do you mean?" When we're talking about themes, and you know, I have trouble articulating these things with my children after we've been to the movies. Because you want to pick up on those good things, uh, not always easy to. So, if you're thinking of, say, a film like The Secret Garden, what sort of things would you be looking for as a parent if you want to get into a conversation like this with uh, with your children? afterwards.
1: Oh, yeah. I totally, I can totally relate with that question because, I mean, I have four children myself, you know, you're trying to figure out how you can continue the conversation with, with your children afterwards, and the, the thing about The Secret Garden is that it's one of those talks about, you can talk about grief, you can talk about God, how He has given us an imagination, there's hope, there's determination, there's love of parents, and also even the loss of parents, and so it's, uh, it has so many different elements that you're able to kind of touch on, but then also also, for those of us who are Christian, that you're able to kind of go in and then kind of connect that to some of the stories, because you can really point to many of the stories even within the Secret Garden and see the influence of even biblical elements. I mean, the Garden of Eden is actually all written all over this story. If you really look into it, I don't think you have to force it in there, um, you know, just kind of where some of the things are as far as what you're able to gain from it. And so... I think that and that's one of the things we do at Real Dialogue. If you go to our if you go to our reviews, we try to give you a touching point at least on one topic, if not more, of how you can start a conversation either with a family member or maybe even with a friend. Because who goes to the movie by themselves, except for us movie reviewers? You know, we we, we go with other people, and so it's, it just makes for a richer conversation to be able to talk about more than just did you like the movie or not. It's like hey, did you catch that about this film? I mean, did you see the garden? The garden was alive. What 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 gave the garden life, you know? And so you were able to really point to God without it kind of being some weird gear crunch moment.
0: Hey, Russ, let's talk some more about the way that we as Christians engage with films. Yeah. And you might be thinking of being a parent, and you've got children. Uh, there's something in, in increasingly exciting about the idea of digging into classic films, because when there's not as many films being released now, uh, a lot of focus has come onto classic films. You love to dig up a classic film or two.
1: I do. I abs- I absolutely love it. You know, it's been one of the things that we have come to enjoy thoroughly at. Um at home here over the past few months, is that after a while, you know, there's only so many new films kind of coming out, and also a lot of them we don't necessarily even want to see. And so to kind of go in and hit those memories that you have of your past of movies that you've either saw on the the cinemas, or you watched it on VHS, or um, whatever it is that you did in the past to, to engage with films, and you have that great memory, but yet you haven't really shared it with your child, and so to be able to go through and be able to share some of those classic films um, with them, and to be able to kind of enjoy it again, because I've actually, we've gone through and watched some of these films over the past few months, and they've been surprised at how much we forgot about them, and so it was actually kind of nice to reintroduce them, not only to our children, but also to even back to us in a way I know when you've
0: got uh, little girls and you said you've got three daughters so I've got four daughters they're all grown up now but uh, the film Mulan has uh, some pretty good uh, values for young girls young women Uh, that's one of those films that's been uh, redeveloped uh, re-released give us your insights into the uh, the latest version of Mulan
1: yeah, Mulan. You know, it's uh it was a film that was released back in 1992 as a Disney um a Disney animated film and Mulan the reimagined kind of live version um has come back to us and it, now it is on Disney Plus. They were originally supposed to do it um in the big theaters, but Mulan's come back and it's a story and they don't have the musical. It's not a musical this time. It's just pretty much the straight-up story of the legend of Mulan. And uh, this one kind of goes back into the ancient times of China, and there were the small villages that had to come together to be able to help to try and save the Empire from the um, invading North um, forces that were coming in. And Mulan and her family, um, there are only two daughters in the family, and they're supposed to send a son to go and fight. And her father was going to do that, but he'd actually been injured in a war prior to that. And so Mulan, in the middle of the night, steals uh, takes her father's armor and his sword, and she goes and represents herself as a boy or the son um, of the the family to be able to go through and do this fight, and she proves herself um, within the, the kind of all of the development as a, a soldier within the army, but then eventually does get found out to be a woman, but yet. On that, she's able to go through and prove that she actually can fight in her own way, and she actually goes on to become a legend within the kind of the Chinese army.
0: Uh, Interesting, isn't it, Uh, when we talk about the way our imagination works? uh, Because uh, when you're a Christian parent, uh, you don't want to... Uh, cut your children off from movies that create all sorts of wonderful imagination and uh, some people are going to have some ideas about about what you uh, allow as good imagination or bad imagination but but imagination and uh, a fantasy world these are the sorts of ways we often will develop in our own maturity and our own ability to be able to assess uh, good and evil uh, so there are powerful things we learn from films and and uh, this idea of of allowing our children and in encouraging our children to get into an imaginary world is uh, not such a bad thing.
1: Yeah, it's not a bad thing. I mean, if you think about it, um, in, in looking at so many of the stories, especially that Jesus told as far as the parables, he uses, he really benefits from the knowledge of the audience that he's speaking to, but then also he's able to use their imagination to think, hey, now just imagine this scenario, you know. Imagine this scenario of a father and his two sons, you know. I mean, it's it's an imagined world, so he taps into the kind of uh, the imagination, but also the creation um, of kind of that similar story that we're able to really kind of go through as far as he- And I think it just shows us that God is a very imaginative God and one that has brought an amazing, you know, what what we're able to see in this world and just kind of look out on his own creation, but then also allow for us as created beings to be able to communicate in that manner and really take a story um, and really now bring it to uh, kind of using the visual front as far as films and things, it's really uh, something that's gone on through time. You know, if you look at it, it could have been in the theater, it could be written in books, it could be just in the, the oral tradition of how um, stories have been told. Now we are dealing in a visual generation, ones that really kind of tap into it. But I really want to encourage parents to still be involved um, with your kids and talking to them about it and then also even encouraging them to be, use their own imaginations and come up with their own stories and be able to go through and, and talk about it. The more our kids talk with us, They're engaged with us. We're able to really influence and be a part of their lives. That's even in their entertainment choices when it comes to film.
0: Hey, we were talking about digging up classic films. Uh, One listener, Karen, called through from Melbourne who says she wanted to let us know she loves watching the Narnia movies and also Little Women. And uh, there are some incredibly imaginative and uh, movies that actually spark our imaginations in an amazing way. Uh, like those Narnia films, and uh, and uh, she's mentioned Little Wim- Women again. But uh, your thoughts for uh, for Karen?
1: Yeah, Karen, thanks so much for sending that in. Little Women, well, they just put out a a great new version. It's actually currently on um, Amazon Prime, so if you have that, but you can also get it streaming at other services. But there's a new version, but also the classic versions. Going back and looking at some of the classic versions of Little Women, Louisa May Alcott, that story is fantastic. But then on top of it, that's what's beautiful about all these different streaming services now is you can find great stories like that and also like all the Narnia ones that have been Put out over the last few years, which they are actually going through and be—they're going through and producing a whole new series of Narnia um, stories that hopefully will be coming out over the next few years. But yeah, I think that it's really going back because there may. They're remaking some of these films, like Little Women, um, and also like The Secret Garden. But uh, but that was that kind of leads me on to even kind of considering. There's another one, a great one that's similar to the um, The Secret Garden, called um, The Little Princess. You can kind of go through and look at. But also, even for um, all of those others that are out there, they really kind of go through and be able to look at some of the different adventures that you're able to kind of go through and look at. Um, great old westerns, um, you're able to kind of go through and see some great films as far as the different ones that you're able to go through and look at and from World War II back in that era, the John Wayne films and all those things. It's just kind of fun, but also even looking back into the 1980s and looking at some of the, the funny, ridiculous films that we, we kind of connect with, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off and all that, that you're able to kind of have some fun, but yet also still talk into your children's lives.
0: You know, there's so many movies available for us to choose from. I wonder whether uh, you ever talk about, Russ, the idea of creating a strategy as a parent as to when you've got children uh, who've got access to all of these different uh, streaming platforms, assuming you are scri- uh, subscribe to those, uh, but is there a way that you could actually create your own family strategy of movie watching that actually may enhance your family traditions, uh, enhance your family understanding about what it is to, uh, to grapple with issues in life? Uh, what about a, a, the idea of a strategy?
1: Yeah, you know what? We actually, uh, well, we've, we've done it in the past. I haven't released one. Maybe it would be a good idea for this school holidays as we're kind of getting ready for that in certain states. Um, but we, well, we've actually had the um, Real Dialogue survival kit for the school holidays. And where you able to go through and not only, you can actually have some fun and, and kind of go through and not only look at the different streaming services, but also even involving other families. I mean, different states have different requirements as far as people will be able to get together. But not only look at different themes, or maybe even find a book, you know, like like they were saying, like the the Narnia Tales and going through and reading it, and then maybe watching the film together, and then watching it maybe with other friends and, and family to be able to kind of go through and do this, kind of pulling in people together. Um, but then we also have a whole bunch of different uh, real dialogue discussion guides that um, on certain films, where you're able to kind of go through and not only um, consider some of the what is in the, in the film itself, but then also what are some questions you could ask afterwards? And so I think it's fun for parents to actually even think of what would be the two questions you'd want to ask your child after watching a movie together, and um, then what, uh, what you're able to do that. So so, what we can what we really want to encourage you to do is kind of think of different creative ways or maybe even kind of looking at it being as a reward um, opposed to just oh let 's just kind of put on a movie for the sake of putting on a movie let's like hey let 's pick out five movies that we want to watch this this over the holidays let 's look at what we could do as either reading a book or maybe kind of considering some different things that we could do in regards to maybe some activities that would be very similar to what you see in the film. And then um, and then also even involving others, so really be able to get out. I think that's one of the biggest issues that's going on with this whole COVID world is that we've moved into this point of isolation, that if there is opportunities in the states that you're in, is reaching out to friends and family, to your church, and be able to kind of consider um, bringing other people into this whole thing and have some fun with it.
0: I always love the way you talk about movies, Russ. Because for a lot of people, uh, you know, the electronic babysitter is uh, you know (laughs) what you set your children in front of, and that's your children uh, right through those teenage years. I mean, the electronic babysitter. At least you know where they are, and they're in front of the movies. But you're you're really touching on something amazing here, because there's a tendency, isn't there, to binge watch. Uh, not only television series people talk about binge watching but uh, people binge watch movies too but if you don't take any time uh, to evaluate what you've seen have some sort of dialogue that goes on after it uh, then you really are just passively receiving something that you know those movie producers uh, wanted to influence you by but if you're taking some time to talk about it uh, you turn it into an event and an opportunity to talk values and family connection in here. Uh, Give us your insights here, that uh, the idea of binge-watching and there might be some difficulties with that.
1: Yeah, well, you know what? Yeah, it's it's one of the things that I actually don't encourage. I, I think that you, after a while, you can't, there's only so much your your brain, your mind, your heart can really take in at any given time. And so to kind of just sit there and binge-watch either a television show or a series, um, of, a series of movies and things it probably isn't really healthy for you, one. But two, I think that where we really see the engagement and where the opportunity to build into our relationships is really important. I I think that people see movies as a way of escapism when I really see it as a way for connection. And so how can we... Um, not only go and enjoy a film together, but then also what can we do to kind of build into our conversation afterwards? I was always surprised because our son, we have three daughters and we have a son, and, he, you know, he maybe doesn't talk as much after different films and things like that. But, boy, you get him, you get him into the right film, and then all of a sudden he was just off to the races because he wanted to be able to kind of build into that opportunity. And so I think that um, opposed to just kind of taking it all in, come in – Think about it for a moment. How many other w- worlds do we allow to influence us like the entertainment world for two hours or plus just to sit there and kind of just take in the messages that they're having without taking a moment and kind of going, what did I just experience? You know, and I think that that's what we need to kind of stop, take a moment to kind of consider, have a conversation with someone else, and then also consider how is this influencing my thought processes, especially what I believe as a Christian, um, as a father, as a son, um, whatever it is that you represent, that, how that really is influencing you? So, no, I think that uh, binge watching isn't one of, the most, one of the healthiest things that we should be doing. I think that uh, we really have to make sure that we're not um, being passive, that we're active participants. Uh,
0: let's talk about some of the films that will be coming up in the months ahead. And uh, I know you've, uh, you've got your eye on Wonder Woman, uh, and, Wonder Woman. Uh, and Rams and Soul and West Side Story. Uh, out of those ones, uh, give us a little bit of a, an, an idea what to, what to expect in the months ahead.
1: The only the thing is the the movie Rams is one that I'm really intrigued by. It's actually an Australian film with Sam Neill in it, and it's just it's based on a story. It looks like a fun comedy that, uh, and thankfully, it's kind of nice to see a PG rated film kind coming, coming out, and that uh, where it just looks like a, a family film that's really for about a family, that's really trying to get together and also fight for their country, uh, for the country. The meaning that kind of the outback area where they raise sheep. So it, 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 it looks like a fun comedy between for that one. Also, Soul is considered it's Still be coming out in November. It's a, a Pixar film. It's the latest Pixar film that's going to be hitting cinemas, and um, we'll see if it, it actually is still released because everything's getting bumped back at this point. But Soul is a story about a, a middle aged man who's a who goes through and unfortunately passes away. And it, similar to the Inside Out kind of theme. They really kind of delve into kind of what to consider um, in the afterlife, and also what what is it about um, this life that we live is it worthwhile. And then unfortunately West Side Story just got but today just got bumped to 2021. So I'm kind of disappointed with that one that moving on because that one I we love the original musical and we're really looking forward to one coming up. but um, There's also the new James Bond film that's uh, No Time to Die, which is going to be the last time Daniel Craig is James Bond. So these are some of the films that are coming up. Wonder Woman 1984 got moved to the end of December. It was supposed to be coming out in October, but now it's been moved to uh, the end of December. This one looks looks really great um, as far as the kind of continuing on her, the story from the last one, and even better so that it just kind of comes into the 1980s, and so they're really able to engage with that time and that era.
0: Uh, We've been asking the question on our Facebook post today. As a Christian, how do you assess the movies you and your family watch at the cinema and at home? Nanda has replied to that and uh, left her note in the comments section. She says... I don't watch anything MA15 plus and even there some M. If there's too much swearing, sexual content, or violence, I'm put off. As for my kids, uh, so as for what my kids watch, it's mostly G, and as a family, we watch PG. And interesting, uh, uh, as you say, there's not too many PG and G movies coming out of uh, any recent, anytime soon. So, uh, what are your thoughts for someone like Nanda, who has a very good, tight uh, grip on the Sorts of movies that she allows herself to watch and uh, what she'll allow her children to watch.
1: You know, I I think she really touches on. Thanks, Nanda, for that, because I really think you touch on something that is a tool, thankfully, in our culture that we do have is that you don't have to just kind of take on whatever film that's coming along, be it through the streaming services or being it in the cinemas, that we do have a rating system. And usually within that rating system, not only do they have. The the M or PG or um, MA fifteen, but it also usually gives you a list of the different things that might be objectionable material. And so there are some M films that are you know great classic films. You know you can kind of go through and look at something like Schindler's List, which is a great historical film, and or even the uh, the the Passion of the Christ, which is an MA fifteen film. And you know these are quite confronting based on the violence that w- that occurred in those films. But then there's other ones that do have objection material like language or sexual content and things that you definitely don't necessarily want to expose your children to based on their age or maybe you just don't want to be exposed to it yourself. I think that's a great way for you to be able to start kind of considering these are films I just don't want to see and I think that that is the discernment that you need to have and thankfully we have those things at our disposal um, that are available on every single film, be it streaming or be it at the cinemas that you're able to see um, exactly what what you're getting before you go in.
0: Uh, Matt responded to the question, says, I tend to be more cautious with films for my kids to watch. Uh, there's a six year age difference between the oldest and the youngest. Uh, So that's part of the consideration. That's an interesting one. What are are your thoughts for Matt uh, when you've got uh, children, uh, some who can watch the younger films, and as they get a bit older, you're going to maybe loosen the reins a little bit and uh, introduce them to other uh, different classifications. What are your thoughts for someone like Matt?
1: Yeah, Matt, I think that that's exactly right. I, I don't think that just because you have a younger child with older siblings that all of a sudden that they get to see mature content earlier. I think that, you know, they're still impressionable. It's still one of those things that they really need to be, have that discernment and having parents that are willing to say, Nope, we're not gonna watch this with the youngest sibling So maybe when they go to when they go to bed, um, that the older siblings can maybe watch something that has a little bit more mature content in it. But I I really think it's something that you do have to really make sure that you're not and just because the child is a part of a mature family doesn't necessarily mean that they're ready for the more mature films and i think that it just takes time i mean even for our daughter who just turned 15 um there's certain films that she could watch now technically with the MA15 but there's certain certain ones where we still say no you know i really don't think that that one's going to be healthy for you even as a um as a more mature Um, teenager, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the best thing for you. So again, it all comes down to having a conversation, right? You know, really actively being involved with your child's lives and also telling them why. It's not just a matter of yes and no. Just a matter of here's why, and here's and so, but also listening to what they have to say because why are they even asking? Why are they interested in that movie? Why do they want to see this? Is it because of their friends, or is it because it's just what they want to do? So I think it's a re- man. I think it's a really great place for you to be able to start is kind of really considering the age bracket of your children. Uh,
0: it can't go without a mention of the fact that there are lots and lots of Christian movies uh, that if you're not, uh, you know, looking at say the Australian Christian channel that you might not even be aware that they are there. But uh, there's a huge number of Christian films that in a typical year come out that never even really get to the point where uh, you know they're given any sort of profile because they're not going to be blockbusters at the cinema. Uh, what are your thoughts for uh, for seeking out, uh, digging into and finding uh, good Christian films, Russ?
1: Oh, yeah. You know what, there are. Actually, there are good Christian films. I think sometimes the Christian film industry does kind of get... a um, you know, a knock because of sometimes the quality and things like that. But there are some really good ones. I mean, and even some really good documentaries. There's a, a good uh, documentary called the girl on the bridge that's coming up. Um, it's going to be in cinemas it's quite confronting, but it's, um, a film again, released by, uh, movies change people. And then also the film St. Judy that, um, Uh, that just was released. It's actually just come out on Apple. That's worthwhile. It's a a story of... Judy, uh, she's, a, she's a, an actual lawyer from L.A. We had an opportunity to interview her the other day. Great Christian woman. The story isn't necessarily a Christian film in the sense that there's a whole bunch of Christian content, but you can see all of her actions and things that she does um, as a Christian element to it. So I think it's definitely worthwhile considering, and there's so many other streaming options out there, like Story Together and all those, that you can kind of go through and really engage with um, good Christian films and enjoy it together as a family
0: and uh, it is the case isn't it that a lot of good christian films do find their way onto the mainstream uh, streaming services and so uh, it's right. a matter of uh, a matter of being able to find out which ones of those uh, you might be able to discover on the streaming service that you have, and to identify those uh, for watching. Hey, we've run yeah. out of time, Russ. Uh, you did oh. mention a survival kit for school holidays that you've got on your Real Dialogue site. Uh, what would uh, what would yeah. you find if you're looking for that uh, that survival kit?
1: Right. Well, actually, I need to repost that one because, I mean, that was a great idea that you came up with, and I need to repost it. So what I'll do today is I'll uh, I'll get that along with our our classics list. We have a great list of kind of real dialogue classic, classic lists. It'll be on the citybibleforum.org um, website that we'll put those up on and so that people can kind of see. There are different ideas that people can kind of go through and kind of consider what um, they can have some fun with films and as as a families and either through streaming services or going out and buying old DVDs or something like that. And uh, so at, at org we'll have that up later today. I'll send through the link to you, Neil, and also I'll send through the link to um, your team there as far as the classic films list that we have.
0: Well, Russ, Ana to you because you do an amazing job helping people to navigate uh, what can be a minefield when it comes to movies and when you apply your Christian conscience, your Christian ethics to some of the things that you watch you want to be able to have some level of guidance and that's what you provide and as you say citybibleforum.org is the website and there'll be links there to realdialogue.com and you'll be able to look into and uh, read some of Russ's blogs and his reviews of the latest movies, uh, his thoughts on what's coming in the whole uh, cinema film industry. Uh, Russ Matthews who works with the city bible forum film reviewer uh, writes for various publications moderates events called real dialogue and connecting the film industry with the general public uh, you can get those connections those links through city russ matthews thanks so much for your update today on 2020
1: i always love being here neil thanks